0: Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking, and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com.
1: Amen. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, everybody. What a privilege. It feels like a real privilege. I don't know that I've actually stood on the platform and to preach in front of you guys for couple of years almost so it's a nice to see your faces nice to be here with you we are working our way through the book of James and I I lucked out I got James 4 I know that that uh, Peter is really looking forward to preaching on James 5 I was like phew got James 4 it's only about fighting and conflict can I get a hallelujah we all love to hear about fighting and conflict (laughs) I'm learning I actually if I were to give this chapter Uh, a a name I would call it fight the good fight how to fight the good fight I moved over from Canada three years ago those of you who have not met me yet you could probably tell from my voice that I'm not from around here my move from Canada and I'm still learning to adjust to British culture and uh, particularly this is quite interesting to see how you all handle conflict and uh, so we've, we've got a... <laughs> yes, you know what I'm talking about. So I, I'm doing my research to figure out how British people handle conflict and how they handle, in particular, anger. And so I found that, that um, what does it show? Great British problems is really quite helpful. So we've got a clip here to watch it right now. Common language
0: of understated passive aggression that we all know what we're doing. A lot of facial expression stuff hoping that the other person will pick up that it's not good enough. So, kind of a lot of...
1: Mm. i was sort of like... And when they come close, I'll go, Hello. sort of leave it, you know, it's ridiculous. It's uh, <laughs> ineffectual.
0: I was at the theatre recently, and there was a woman in the audience sat the row behind me to my left, and she started coughing. Now, you know, you can't help coughing, but... Consider those around you, they may not want to listen to you coughing. So she coughed for a bit, sort of put up with it, and then it carried on. So what I did was, at first, she'd cough and I'd go... And then carry on. She'd cough again, I'd sigh a bit louder. Maybe raise the eyes this time, even though nobody could see me doing that. She'd cough again. So I thought, I'm going to look at her this time. So I just looked, glanced, it was just a glance absolutely pointless because she couldn't see me looking at her, carried on watching the theater. And then in my head, I'm going, right, I'm going to let her cough three more times, and then I'm going to say something. She coughed again. And I went, oh, for goodness sake.
1: (laughs) Can anybody relate to that? No, okay. (laughs) Conflict. Some of us are, are the... The, the facial, we kind of raise the eyebrow type people. Some of us in conflict, we freeze. Anybody a freezer in conflict? You just kind of freeze? Some of us are, are flight, you know? So you see conflict coming and you're just out of there. You're out the door as quick as you can. Anybody a flight person? You yeah, know, you're not going to, you don't want to admit it because you don't want anybody actually to block your exit, you know? <laughs> and some of us are fight people. Some of us are like, right, are we doing this? Let's go for it. It's important for us to learn in, in our families, and in our workplaces, and certainly in this larger family that we call the church, how to handle conflict, because it's hard. I myself am more of a passive-aggressive type person, just telling you ahead of time. I, had an, <laughs> I was in a therapeutic program when I was 20, and we, they were giving us assignments for the day, and they noticed that I was too nice all the time. Go figure. Anyway, but you know, too nice in maybe a not super healthy way. So they gave me an assignment, and they said, all right, Jill... Today, we want you to not be nice to people. And I was just, like, shocked and horrified. I was just like, what? Are you kidding me? To not be nice to people? And and I spent the whole day completely anxiety-ridden, totally, fra- I, I went into a corner, I cried, like it was, it was not very therapeutic, didn't feel that way, and finally, the only thing that I could do, I saw that somebody in the program outside had put their cigarette down on a on a, um, I can't, a little wall or something, and I snuck up behind I picked up the cigarette, and I smushed it up, and I threw it in the garbage. <laughs> and that was the most I could do. I just I couldn't get over the, the being nice bit. But <laughs> James, in his passage, he talks about, you know, why are there fights amongst you? Why are there fights amongst you? Why are there wars? He uses the word wars in one translation. Why are there fights and wars among you? And and if we're honest, we all struggle with that. We all have fights and wars and conflicts in our lives, except my husband and myself. We don't fight. We just have intense fellowship. (laughs) So, (laughs) The World Evangelical Alliance did a research project examining why missionaries left the mission field early. The number one reason was conflict with peers, the number one reason. We just can't get along, so we're just going to get up and go. And we see all kinds of conflict across the earth right now. Certainly, we see it on the Internet. And so James is interested in this chapter and teaching us how to fight well, how to move beyond conflict management into something that that I've read called uh, conflict transformation, So beyond managing conflict, into conflict transformation. And what I mean by that is in the midst of conflict, in the midst of disagreement, that God is at work, there is an invitation embedded in the midst of disagreement for us to submit to God, to resist the enemy of our souls. There's an invitation in conflict for us to become more like Jesus and for us to be transformed. Let's take a look at here, the first part of the passage. We'll pull it up. All right. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. We fight. And what James is doing is he's connecting our fighting, our conflict with desires battling within us. And they're not necessarily desires for evil things. We don't realize how willful we are, how entrenched we are in getting our own way until that gets challenged. I once heard somebody say, I thought I was holy until I got married. All the married people in the room go, mm-hmm. And he said, I, th- I thought I was holy until I got married, and then I realized I was merely undisturbed. So all of you who are married, I just want to tell you right now, if you, if you take anything home today and put it in your pocket to change your life, your spouse, your partner, is God's number one agent of sanctification in your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> Number one, agent of sanctification, because you know what—you're not going to get your way all the time. You're going to have so many opportunities to become more holy, not just in marriage. I think for me, when I before I moved here back in Canada, I was I was the leader of the community that I was part of. So I was I was the one who got to make decisions and move things forward. The senior leader, I was the equivalent of Pete, but albeit in a much smaller community. And then I moved here. And I moved on to a staff team of a very large organization. And I wasn't the leader anymore. And I discovered that I was not holy, but merely undisturbed. (laughs) And you know what? I don't get my way all the time. It's like, don't they realize how wise and how wonderful I am and how I know exactly the right thing for Emmaus Road all the time? Don't they know that? (laughs) And you know what? It's been so good for me. It's been so good for me that I don't get my way all the time. I'm quite attached to my own way. I don't realize how attached to my, I am to my own way until I don't get my own way. And so it's been an opportunity for growth for me. And honestly, if I'm really honest, it's probably really good for all of you too that I didn't get my way all the time. You've been saved from Jill's best ideas. So... Um, <laughs> And then we pray about it. How many of you pray this prayer? Oh God, would you just deal with that person? You know, that person who's in the way of me getting what I want? Lord, improve them or remove them? (laughs) I wonder if these are the types of prayers that James is talking about. God's not particularly interested in answering. Our condition is one of a fortified, self-willed determination. James sums it up with the word desires. God, Hmm. help me to let go of my attachment to getting my own way. And James goes on to talk about how our friendship with the world contributes to the conflicts. The next slide. You adulterous people. It's like, come on, James, tell us what you really think. Love the language, right, you adulterous people? Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So in befriending our own interests, my fortified self-will, I can become an enemy of God. In befriending my own interests, my own fortified self-will, I can become friends with the world. Here's how N.T. Wright describes the world for us. He says, by the world, James seems to mean, as often in scripture, the way that the world behaves. The pattern of life, the underlying implicit story, the things that people want or expect or long for or dream of that drive them to think and behave the way we do. Then again, James's his language is so strong. Adulterous people. Yeah, you might be married to God, but your eyes and your heart are wandering. And just think about that for a minute. That could feel very abstract. But imagine if you were, you're married, you're on your date with your husband or your wife, you're going out for dinner, and then you catch your spouse eyeing the waitress. How would that make you feel? Or the waiter. You know, let's uh, <laughs> how would that make you feel? <laughs> Adulterous people loving the world are, are highly... Here's how the world works, you guys. It's a highly individualized culture. It fortifies that self-determination. We are so committed to our autonomy, getting our own way. I can do what I want so long as I don't hurt anybody. And even if it does hurt somebody, so long as I don't actually have to be a witness to how that person is hurt, yeah, that, that's probably okay. <laughs> And we bow to this altar of the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. And add to that our cult of comfort, our moral relativism, the outrage culture. We are so quick to draw our swords on one another, certainly in the ring of Twitter and social media. And we want God on our side. I love this passage in Joshua 5, 13 to 15. Joshua is fighting some legitimate enemies, and he encounters a divine being. Verse 13, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he saw, looked up and he saw a man in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you with us or are you with our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for this servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. God, are you for us, or are you for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but take off your sandals, you are on holy ground we're so quickly to look for our enemies to polarize I, I remember talking with Ian Nicholson we all know Ian Nicholson here at Emmaus and he is the chaplain of the Woking football club and so I was I was chatting with him one day and I said Ian we need to find out what a strong intercessor you are to actually see if you are a better prayer warrior than the chaplain of the other football club that you're playing tomorrow so here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand at one end of the football pitch and we'll put the other chaplain at the other end of the football pitch and both of you pray for your team to win and then we will see who is the stronger prayer warrior. <laughs> God, are you on my side or other side? Friendship with the world means enmity towards God, says James. And he's super practical at this point. He says in verse six, but he gives us more grace. This is what scripture says. God opposes the proud But he shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve and mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. This order of operations is quite important. We need first to submit to God. So, whatever conflict you're facing, maybe it's intense fellowship with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, (laughs) what does it look like first to submit to God? And, And I love this. I love this prayer Search me, O God. Know my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me and guide me in your way everlasting. In the midst of conflict, can we ask the Holy Spirit to show us where we are contributing to the problem? Can we check our heart, our attitudes, our motivations? Can we check our allegiance? And once you've done that, then you can resist the devil. You can resist the enemy of your soul. I totally believe, I have seen it time and time and time again, that the enemy of our soul, uh, Jesus believed in the devil, so do I. He is out there roaring like a lion looking to devour. He wants to steal and kill and destroy your relationships, your marriages, your communities, your workplaces. He is actively working against you in your life, and he's opportunistic. He loves to exploit and to amplify where there is conflict, to stir up trouble wherever he can. It could look like lots of things. One way It could look like communication flipping in midair. You say one thing, and a person hears something completely different. Has that ever happened to you? It's just like, how did you even get that from what I said? You know? And they call the, they call the devil the prince of the power of the air. Sometimes communication gets flipped. In natural warfare, what you want to do, first of all, is get in the way of the lines of communication of your opponent, right? So we need to pray over our lines of communication because it will flip on you. And, and then, actually, I think the other thing that the enemy loves to do is to fill in the gaps. So if, if you don't fully understand what somebody's saying or somebody's doing, Satan would love to tell you. He'd love to attribute motives to people's actions. It's like, oh, they don't like you very much, right? Oh, they don't respect you. Actually, you know what? Probably they're working against you. Actually, you know what? You're pretty much rubbish anyway, so why would that person even want to have a good relationship with you? Right? We get this head noise, and we think, oh, the head noise is just me. I'm like, yeah, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. If you take authority over that head noise in the name of Jesus and command the enemy to be silent, then have another listen. See what you hear. Maybe that'll help filter it out. So he fills in the gaps of communication with miscommunication with fear in the midst of conflict. I don't know about you guys, but every once in a while, conflict will come. Well, when when conflict comes, fear can just come on me. Anxiety, worry, and it'll just come in. I don't know. It's like it just came out of nowhere and just fear just landed on me. It's like, no, it didn't come out of nowhere. I know where it came from, (laughs) right? So it comes with fear insinuation, accusation. We need to submit to God. And and, and, and here's how we take authority over the enemy in this. And it's it's really simple. I say, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over any strategy of the enemy to steal or kill or destroy my relationships, my marriage, my community. I silence the voice of the enemy the voice of the accuser, and I declare the jurisdiction of the kingdom of God over my life, over my communication, over my relationships in the name of Jesus. So we need to submit to God, and then we need to resist the devil. It's not a time to be passive. James goes on to say, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or a sister judges them and speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? James is saying, don't slander. Don't be quick to judge. Don't gossip. Don't triangulate. You know what triangulate is? You talk to one person about another person. You try and draw them into the conflict. When I was teaching my teenage daughter about this, I call, we had a, a keyword. We called it OPD. And OPD meant other people's drama, you know, because she would talk to her about her, and then all of a sudden, it just, you know, there was this big mess going on, right? And so, Hannah would come home, and she'd be like, oh, mom. And I'd go, wait a second, OPD? And she'd go, right, OPD, other people's drama. <laughs> so, give people the benefit of the doubt. Try and deal with it just with them first. Don't be quick to judge. And choose to assume people's good, even if their behavior is problematic and that their motives are good. Those are hard. simple to say, right? Is it simple to do? People are like, yeah, no, it's not simple to do. <laughs> this is hard stuff, but it's good. It's really practical. Because here's the good news. The good news is these are really practical things that we can do to move beyond conflict management into the realm of conflict transformation. Because I believe that in the midst of every conflict, God is at work making all things new. I believe embedded in every conflict is an invitation to transformation, an opportunity for us to grow in Christlikeness and in the fruit of the Spirit. Embedded in every conflict is an invitation to dismantle our fortification of sinful, self-willed determination. Embedded in every conflict is an invitation to renounce our friendship with the world. To renounce our agreement with the accuser of the brethren and the enemy of our souls. An opportunity to choose love, forgiveness, our families, And our communities embedded in every conflict is an invitation to grow in our friendship with God and with one another. So there's this unity on this side of complexity. Hey, how you doing? Great. Yeah, all all good. Really good. Doing good. Everything good? Yeah, everything's good. The unity on this side of complexity. And then there's complexity, right? Relational complexity. Organizational complexity. Conflict. And then there's the unity on the other side of the complexity, where you've submitted yourself to God, where you have chosen to believe the best of the other, where you've done the best that you can to reach towards them in love, where you've resisted the work of the enemy that wants to blow up all of your relationships. We've chosen love and invited God into the midst. This is the unity that's worth hanging on to, and this is the unity that will sustain you, your lives, your relationships, your marriages, and our communities. That's the invitation. And actually, as I was preparing today, I had a lot of um, really struggled to get here this morning. I was feeling really overwhelmed. I'm, I'm a little slow, but I get there eventually because I, I realized that, that I, we're here together not only to get some information, we're here together to do some business with God. And I was just struggling in my own spirit this morning, and, and, and I'm like, ah, is this, am I just, I always wonder, am I an intercessor or am I just neurotic? Probably a bit of both, but, um, you know, i just was struggling in my own spirit. And so I think there are, and I realized eventually, eventually it's like, oh, duh, okay, it's for people in the room here today. There are some of you in the room who want out because of conflict, because of complexity. You want out. Don't put up your hands, right? Keep it between you. Maybe you want out of your marriage. Maybe you want out of your job. Maybe you want out of whatever assignment that the Lord has placed you in because it just feels too big and too hard and you're too tired and it's just too complex and it just feels like a muddle. I believe there are people in this room today who are in that place. So we're going to pray together. We're going to ask God for some help. So I just want to encourage you to close your eyes. I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself in any way, but... I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you just come right now? You're here. We know you're here. But we're asking for you, Holy Spirit, to illuminate our hearts right now in the quiet. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Lord, is there a way that I have fortified myself, because I just want my own way, my way or the highway? Lord, is there a way that I have chosen friendship with the world and the world's way of dealing with conflict Lord, is there somewhere in my heart and life where I have come into agreement with the accuser of my own soul and the accuser of other people? Holy Spirit, is there anything else going on in my heart that is getting in the way of this transformational moment in my life? In the quiet, would you show me how you would like me to repent and to submit to you? Jesus, I renounce my allegiance, or my primary allegiance to myself. I renounce my primary allegiance to the world. You have my allegiance. I submit to you. Amen. Next thing I want us to do, I'd like us all to stand. And I want us to pray. I want us to pray for people that you may know. You don't have to say their names out loud, but you know people who are stuck in conflict. You know marriages that are struggling. You know that people who are just ready to be done in their life situation. And I want you to pray. I want you to glorify God. And I want you to take authority over the work of the enemy in their lives in the name of Jesus. Is that all right? We just get a little bit militant with one another. If you've got a prayer language, I just want you to pray in your prayer language. Let's just fight for each other for a minute. Can we do that? All right. Because some of the some folks in here are are just don't have any fight left in them. We need to fight for them. Let's just lift up our voices, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we declare the jurisdiction of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Just feel free to pray, guys. Just pray out. Just pray out. Don't be afraid. Let's just lift up our voices, Father. Yes, Lord, we just glorify you in this place, God. We glorify you, Lord Jesus Christ, king of the universe, king of this community, king and ruler over our marriages, over our relationships, over our workplaces. Lord Jesus, we declare your kingship, your rulership, your just all the resources of heaven. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, by the power of his name and the work of his death and his resurrection, we take authority over any attempt of the enemy to steal and to kill and destroy in people's hearts and lives and relationships right now in Jesus' name. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we silence the voice of the enemy in people's lives and hearts, speaking into their relationships in the name of Jesus. And Father, we ask right now in your kindness and in your mercy, your voice of love would speak peace over every heart. They would hear the voice of the Father who loves them. Thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Submit to God. Resist the enemy of our souls. Learn to fight the good fight.
0: Amen.